1: I was just the usual
0: 15 year old kid going through stuff you do, and I remember one night there, I, you know, done some dumb things or whatever I'd, I'd done, and I was struggling. And it was about probably 9:30 at night, and he said, "Come on, mate, let's go for a walk." And we walked all through Lawrence and We just kept going and going, and it got later and later. It was a midweek, but he said, "Mate, don't matter. We're just going to walk and talk until you can get it all off your chest." But that never left me.
1: The story. The story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Today we're continuing our series paying tribute to the late Ian Watson, who was better known simply as Watto. Today we'll hear from Ian's son, Hayden, who will share what it was like growing up with a father who was an extremely gregarious, larger-than-life character who always had an encouraging word for whoever he happened to be with. Hayden says he loved it and is happy to be playing a part in continuing his father's men's ministry known as shed happens which has touched the lives of blokes all over australia hayden's having a chat with eric scadabo and we'll share a bit of his own story along with insights into his father's life journey hayden watson welcome to the program
0: good to speak
2: with you eric glad to have you with us and you're joining us from brisbane is that right
0: Correct, yes, Brisbane.
2: Okay, well, before we talk to you about what it was like having Wano for your father, let's find out a little bit about you. Were you born in the Brisbane area?
0: Yeah, I was. I've uh, grown up around the north side of Brisbane, and I got married uh, after going through a university and studying civil engineering and lived on the coast for about nine years at Cool, which was a lovely break in life from uh, living on the north side, and I always wanted to live near the beach, and then moved back to Brisbane when my eldest son was in year two.
2: Okay, well, let's go back to your childhood. What are some of your earliest memories of growing up with Watto as your father?
0: My earliest childhood memories, everything was pretty exciting. My brother at the uh, memorial said life was like living in the front seat of a roller coaster, having my father as a father, and um, I've got lots of fun memories. My biggest one is, um, of course, he loved footy, and he had three boys, and uh, we had so much fun kicking the ball and following him around at footy and being part of all of that.
2: And of course, as we heard in the introduction, your father was the founder of the Shed Happens Men's Ministry. Did he share his faith with you?
0: He did, but um, Dad really wasn't probably the driving force or the person who introduced me to God. It it, it was my mother, and... Mm -hmm. um, my mother's mother's, my grandmother, when I look back now, had a big influence. So there was no way that I ever doubted whether God was real. I pretty much had a faith as long as I can remember, because it was so important to my mother, and I could see in her life what it meant. Mm-hmm. There always comes a time in your life when you do make a big decision, and um, I went to Grace College, and I remember in year eight hearing someone speak, and I can't remember who it was at this point in time. It was, a, it was an evangelist, and um, I remember in explaining the crucifixion in detail. And I remember sitting there, and that was probably one of the big moments where I thought, no, no, yeah, I'm definitely in. Jesus did that for me. But, yeah, no, Mum was... uh, Mm -hmm. Her faith was pretty strong. Dad really didn't probably get to know God until I was about year 10, about 15.
2: Oh, what happened?
0: Well, we lived on a property, and um, he'd been heavily involved with football and... Trotting horses because he's all his uncles and his father had always been involved in trotting horses, and he bought a property up at um, Burpengary, which I thought was fantastic. Us boys growing up on on acreage and not wearing shoes for the first part of our lives and <laughs> riding horses and carrying on. But
2: wow. he
0: tried to sell the property and he couldn't sell it, and there was a number of things. He was frustrated with work. He'd been in a job in the public service for 22 years, which he didn't like the whole time. He mm. didn't want to be there. Wow. and um. I think there was one day in the paddock where the trotting track was out the back, and we didn't have horses at this stage, they didn't, they ate more than they, money that they won, huh. prize money. Yeah. And um, yeah, there was a point where Dad was trying to sell the property, mm-hmm. and uh, he was all doing it in his own work, and um, I think he said, God, if you're for real, then I want to give you a go. And that, that was pretty much a change of everything for
2: him. Wow. How did that impact you personally?
0: I was really happy, you know, I knew God, and um, there's no questions for me, but I thought, oh, well, I love my dad, and yeah. now he knows God, and he wants to be part of it. It wasn't, though, he wasn't didn't want to be part of God, but I thought, no, he's got it. So for me, it was great, but a dad who now knew God as
2: well. And did you do anything together as far as go to retreats or any father and son Christian activities?
0: Dad lived his life in an open book, and... His faith, to me, rather than go to many camps or Christian activities, was just seeing the changes in his life Mm -hmm. was the impact that it had on me. We did a lot of wonderful things in terms of football, and that was pretty powerful in our lives. But just seeing him walk every day was the most powerful thing in my
2: life. Mm -hmm. And then what happened next in his life?
0: Well, the property sold, and Dad was able to buy a smaller property, just a normal residential block in Petrie, mm-hmm. and buy a truck and leave the public service. And um, he had $0 left to his name actually to put fuel in the, the tank, but he, he'd owned the house and he owned the truck. But he had to be humble to go and ask his mate for $500 to fill the truck up to do the first couple of loads. So I watched that miracle that God did in his life planning something better than Dad could ever imagine he could plan. And so for me, that that never left me watching that happen. And then he went for seven years delivering sand and water to people. He had a truck on the back of the tank that um, mm-hmm. came along with it. He didn't know um, that was going to be any use, but actually it was. And after about seven years of doing that, someone, um, an old fellow at the, um, who was down at the police station when, Dad was taking myself and my cousins and his friends and my uncles down there to get their license. Saw him one day and said, "Are you a driver trainer?" And he said, "No, I'm not." He said, "Well, I get calls. Do you want to you want to go and do the training? And I'll I'll look after you and send you through people." And um, so that's how we started doing driver training. Oh, okay. But for Dad, it was more than that. He had spent um, his life playing football and then coaching and putting everything into people he was involved with, more than just playing football, he would get involved in their lives and trying to make them the best person that they could be. Hmm, Suddenly, he was exposed to men one-on-one, on the hour, to be able to do exactly what he did best, is talk to them. And he wanted to talk to them about not only teaching them how to drive the truck, he was interested in their hearts. Hmm. And it really just propelled him into the next part of his life.
2: Yeah. I mean, it sounds like a perfect role for him and his personality.
0: Yeah, it was. It suited him. And, you know, you can see that people had different strengths in their life. Mm-hmm. That was his strength. God had him in the right place.
2: So that's how he got involved in truck driver training after being a truck driver himself. And he had a huge impact on so many young men who were learning how to drive a truck. And your mother shared with me that a lot of what made him so special sharing with others was because of he had so much pain and troubles that he had gone through in his past and and in his childhood.
0: Yeah, I I think that um, he was impacted quite a bit by his mother passing away Mm -hmm. when he was 15, and his sister. Yep. Yeah, he he carried that with him. Um, Mm -hmm. How that affected him in in his life, I I probably can't put my finger on any of that being the driving force for what he did, but it probably made him very empathetic to those who, yes, had had lost others, but more importantly, he, he just had a passion for trying to make people the best that they were and know that everybody was loved. At, mm-hmm. That was the consistent theme in his life the whole way through. Yeah. And and from the extension from the, from the truck, really, that was just that part of his life. God blessed him financially from it, also put him in a place where he wanted to be. But he, at that time, started to get together with a lot of mates from his past who... We're all just battling through life. Mm -hmm. And all he wanted to do was get them together and teach them how to talk, teach them how to open up their hearts and get rid of the junk out of their life. You know, I have a very strong memory and something that stands out of my father when I was about Mm -hmm. year 10, when I was 15. Soon after he made the move, sold the property, moved into Petrie where he, where he was and started his business for the first time. Mm-hmm. I was just the usual 15-year-old kid going through stuff you do. And I remember one night there, i you know done some dumb things or whatever I'd, I'd done and I was struggling. And he was about probably 9.30 at night and he said, come on, mate, put your joggers on, let's go for a walk. And we walked all through lawns and we just kept going and going and it got later and later. It was a midweek thing, but he said, Hey, don't matter. We're just going to walk and talk until you can get it all off your chest. He said, I don't care where we get to. Mm. And uh, we got him extremely late, but I thought that never left me. And that's what he did with everybody he came across. He, probably to his own detriment with sleep, mm. he would go as late and as long as needed to let that person get the junk off his heart and clear the rocks around his heart. That's yeah. really what it was about.
2: Yeah.
1: You're listening to The Story. Today we're continuing our series paying tribute to the late Ian Watson, founder of The Shed Happens Men's Ministry. Today his son Hayden is sharing with us about the impact his father had on him, as well as insights into his father's life journey. We'll have more when we return. The Story If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Today, Eric Scadabo is having a chat with Hayden Watson, the son of the late Ian Watson, founder of the Shed Happens Men's Ministry, which has touched the lives of blokes all over Australia. Hayden's sharing what it was like having Watto for a father and about the legacy his father has left behind. Now, for you personally, was it ever hard
2: being the son of Watto? I mean, here he's this larger-than-life character. Did that kind of put pressure on you to be like him?
0: Not really. My personality and his personality, we got on quite well. We were a nice match, so I, I really loved every part of that. He was my hero, but I loved how he treated me and, and what he did. I loved having an open house where we had someone for breakfast right through to nighttime and he never got off the phone the whole time. I had a mother who was okay with that. She loved that environment. Yeah. My middle brother didn't appreciate it. He didn't, and Dad dad went about trying to treat him like he had the same personality as me, and then he did the same to my third brother, and they he was different. So, again, as he got through it all, he realized, um, I probably shouldn't have tried to treat you all boys the same, but through that, you know, he learned and he taught a lot of people about that and mm. became better in it himself. So, now I enjoyed it, but, yeah, there was times my other brothers probably didn't appreciate it, but it was good growing up with him as a dad.
2: And that was one of the things that made him so special is that he was humble enough to learn new things and then he would turn around and try to share that with guys that he was mentoring.
0: Eric, you know, you just said something that was very profound and probably wants me to want to tell you this. One, one of the things that stands out in my father when people say, what did you admire about your father? He was never too proud to ask for help or mm. say, I don't know. It yeah. didn't matter who it was. He genuinely could ask for help.
2: Mm. Just a humble guy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was humble, but he was also, he was pretty full on, his personality too. He was, it was yeah. he was a big promoter and he actually was too full on for some people. And he knew that. He'd come over and say, oh, gee, I'm well, I'm just too full on for some people. <laughs> and and at times, he'd, even about himself, he'd think, whoa, whoa. I probably, probably wouldn't say that, but um yeah, he. Huh.
2: So he had a he, self awareness. He, he knew how he, he was did. impacting people.
0: He definitely had a self awareness. Mm-hmm. He knew what he was
2: like. Mm-hmm. Now tell us about when he started this men's ministry. What did you think of that?
0: I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was great when he started it because I loved it. It was an extension of what I'd grown up loving: being part of football, being accountable, being put, you know, in the in the chair in the middle of the room, and have to learn to take. Um, the hard truth from people. And, mm. and so for me, it was just so exciting. I had a dad and I could see him wanting to help people and just extend what I'd loved about him. Mm. Um, and it it just developed more and more until when, say, he started the, the shared ministry, it just evolved. It was just an extension of him, of what he'd done for so many years. Mm. He just applied what he'd learned to deal with people, with men especially, mm. And wanted to teach them how to open their hearts and learn to talk. That was what it was about. Mm -hmm. And he could see through the structures, almost the religious side of Christianity that we just fall into, especially if you spend your whole life in church, you get used to things. Mm -hmm. He could see from outside and say, no, hang on a second. This is how you talk to people. This is what is the most important thing. It's Mm -hmm. getting together, communicating And as he said, I sit in that truck, and he said, blokes mightn't tell you to go to church, but he said, I can tell you, most Australian blokes, deep inside, they want to know that there's a God, Mm. and they believe there's a God, but he said, they'll make it that they don't. But he said, when you're one-on-one, and it's just them, they want to know.
2: And that's when he would share his faith with them.
0: Yeah, he did. And he was an evangelist, because he'd step places that I I wouldn't step, but... Mm. You know, in the thought of his book, I said he had a sledgehammer that he'd walk around and hit people with. Mm -hmm. And he did. He just walked in. He just cracked open people's hearts. (laughs)
2: Well, that's an interesting way of putting it. A sledgehammer for the Lord. (laughs)
0: And, and, you know, there was a point in his life he worked until he was 57 and he got diagnosed with prostate cancer Mm -hmm. that when he was 57, Either myself or, or my other two brothers. One of us, from that point on, pretty much ran the business for mm-hmm. him. His driver training business. Yeah, and we, at that stage, we said, "Dad, you go. This is business as your base. You go and help everyone you possibly want to help because that's where your heart is." Mm-hmm. And uh, it was like the big ship was no longer anchored to the wharf. You know, we let the rope go. Mm.
2: And now looking back at his life and all the people he touched, what are the things that come to your mind?
0: Uh, I think um, the two things that stood out to me is Dad wanted everyone to know that they were loved, and he wanted every person that he met, he wanted to get the best out of every person. Mm. So that's what just made him who he was, Mm -hmm. and he had a supportive wife who let him do that.
2: And sadly, in December of 2019, your father passed away from prostate cancer. And since that time, a number of the people who he's impacted, the men, have come up to you and shared how much they miss him. Is that right? Can you tell us about what they miss about your father?
0: Yeah, I think um, there's certainly plenty of people who miss him because he, he rang so many people. He had so many cups of coffee. He spent so much time doing and visiting people and being in any camp that could come up. that um, But yes they miss him one on one. I think more importantly when I talk to people I actually see how he's inspired and woken up so many people and set so many hearts free. There are so many men around the country who have got what he's about and that they want to open other people's hearts. They want to show people how we can make Australia better as men. Mm. And, yeah. and so it's quite inspiring. That's, that's the part that amazes me about it. There's more inspiration than sadness in it. Mm-hmm. It was great great to be part of the wild journey that, that he was. And um, But yeah, there's plenty of people out there. There's plenty of blokes who are, are uh, all different to him and all doing God stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. And for you personally, you're part of keeping the legacy alive. Tell us about that.
0: Yeah, I am. I, I um, I've been sitting and watching and eating burgers and listening for (laughs) a long part of my life since I'm a kid growing up it's just it's an extension from what I used to see at home in the kitchen and at football and so yeah for me I just it's it's part of my everyday living and I I love being part of it so personally we have a Marumba Downs one that gets together the first Monday every month Mm -hmm. people do it everywhere but yeah I, I I just love being part of all talking to all the blokes and and hearing people's stories.
2: And Hayden, tell us about after the illness started to really get to your father.
0: Eric, Dad was always quite a positive person. And he didn't have problems suffering with depression. But when he had cancer, and he had he did the first five years where he, he had the prostate out. And then five years after that, he had radium. And then about three years after that, he had a had started to take some... Um, more tablets, and then had three lots of chemo. That I saw him make a choice every day, and he talked about like he talked about everything. He was an open book, yeah. Uh, and uh, he spoke to me that in the mornings, he said he can feel the feel depression and the spiral wanting to drag him down, mm. and he he used to stand up in the mornings and make a choice and say, "I choose." I choose not to get dragged down in depression mm. and you know he hung on to a couple of Bible verses that were really important to him um, but uh, yeah that was that was ver- that was really powerful to watch dad make that choice every single day and he got on the phone he as the moment he could he got on the phone and started ringing other people which was so powerful that mm. was him that's what God wanted him to do. That actually made him feel good, as well as the bloke on the other end of the line.
2: When you said he would get on the phone to ring other people, you're talking about to talk to guys and encourage them. Yep.
0: Yep. He'd talk to blokes, encourage them. He'd have phone calls all the time from people from always or in the place. As Dad said as he got older, he said, nothing surprises me. And I used to almost get a, a look at how God looks at people. He, mm. said, I, he said, I hear stuff all the time. He said, I don't pass stuff on. He said, nothing surprises me. Mm. And um, he said it in a respectful way, but meaning, and I I could tell him anything. Anyone could tell him anything because he was like, he had, he, he had that heart of God. Where, yeah. So I'm sure that's what God's like. Yeah. And, um, and I think the, the other most powerful thing I saw out of the last parts of his life was hope and and I've come to the realisation of hope gets you up in the morning, hope gets me up in the morning, hope is so powerful right to the point of he'd get some chemo and it'd give him hope for three months until he found the result and Mm. you just watch it and you think I don't want to lose, I don't want, you'd bottle up the hope until you get to the next thing and then you'd wait for the next part but I realised how God made us it's just a word that uh, you can't. You only experience and understand it. But you know, for me, I just look at that and I think, well, you know, when you've got hope in God, that 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 is everything. I you go through yep. bad things in life, you know, God, and He gives you hope, and you have hope. That is the ultimate thing of what makes you get up every single day. And mm-hmm. I just watched Him live it. So wow, there's been some. There's been it's been an amazing, painful couple of years to watch it all happen and go through mm-hmm. it. But, oh yeah. boy, it's, you know,
2: yeah. But that's the lasting legacy he's shared with you, well, he's modeled for you how to live with hope and how to serve others.
0: Yeah, and and, and all those who were part of it saw what it was. And, yeah, now investing in others, it's just amazing, you know. yeah, We all get a choice when we're older and... He made a choice. He was dying, and he made a choice to invest in others. And um, you could just see walking so close with God and God working it through his life and telling him stuff that only could be from God about other people. It was amazing.
2: Wow, and the legacy continues to this day, and you're a part of it. And I have to say, you sound a bit like your father. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think I've got more of my mum's personality, but yeah,
2: yeah, <laughs> there's parts of
0: that that I've picked up.
2: Yeah, so that's uh, that's wonderful. The legacy is continuing in more ways than one. Hayden Watson, thank you so much for sharing with us today.
0: Thank you, Eric. I really appreciate it. It's lovely to be able to do it.
1: That was Eric Scadabo chatting with Hayden Watson, the son of the late Ian Watto Watson, founder of the men's ministry known as Shed Happens. Sadly, Ian passed away in December of 2019, but as we've heard, his legacy is living on in the life of his son, and in many other men who have been impacted by Watto's life. As we've heard throughout this series, Watto wasn't about material possessions or earthly wealth. But like it says in the Bible, he was about storing up treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And it was quite clear where Watto's heart was. It was in building others up and leading them to their father in heaven. And I'm certain when Ian arrived there, his heavenly father gave him a big Good on you, mate. Well, to find out more about Ian's men's ministry and his books, you can go to the website shedhappens.com.au. That's shedhappens.com.au. Thanks so much for joining us for Hayden Watson sharing insights into his father's story. Until next time, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story.
0: We've met Satanists who have given their lives to Christ. Uh, And and we've met people who are atheists and Satanists who are still atheists and still Satanists that are Striper fans. So, you
2: know, my hopes and and prayers are that maybe in in some small way or some big way, you know, we're having a positive effect on them, maybe tugging at their hearts and they're hearing the message because our message is very clear.
1: Michael Sweet is the voice of the legendary Christian heavy metal band Striper. He'll share with us some of the ups and downs of his journey including the positive impact they've had over the years on many non-Christian listeners. Also, he'll share about some of the personal struggles he's gone through. That's Michael Sweet from Striper sharing his story next time. The The Story, just another way vision is connecting faith to life.